there must be more than this. And I know there's more than this. And as much as I love gathering with, with you, and it's, you know, and, we, and it's lovely, there's nothing wrong with us gathering, but there's more than this. Isn't there? There's something of God which I don't feel like we're tasting and seeing like we have in the past. And I'm not looking backwards, I'm looking forwards because something in my heart that the Lord's laid in my heart is there must be more, there is more than this, John. And it's, and it's I guess, my, the message this morning, which I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, is that we need the Holy Spirit to come and move. And, um, and again, I'm not saying that the Spirit isn't doing anything. Of course he is. Otherwise, none of us would be here. Um, but we're drawn here because God is wanting to do something in our lives and through us. And, but there is something more than this. There's more than just turning up at church. There's more than just doing a cafe in the week. There's more than maybe reaching out to your friends and family. There's, there's more than that. There's some real relationship with God, which is so incredibly life-transforming that we just have so much to say about it and we have so much to express about it that we're not shy like we are when we come. We just want to sing and love God. And So none of this is a criticism. Please don't be something. I'll just pour out my heart. And, um, you, know, we're, you know, lots of people have got off and they've gone on. God's moved them out to do all various different things and people are coming and getting on the train and we're starting to move out and and all this kind of illustration that helps me anyway. Um, I just, something that the Lord put on my, and sort of like encouraged me, said, John, be patient, be patient. Momentum's coming in the new year. And I don't know if that's me thinking that, hoping that, I don't know. You, you go and test it. But God's wanted to, God wants to do something. And, it's, and just to encourage you, you know, in, in, um, in my, my prayer list of people who don't know Jesus is growing. I just, I'm finding myself with so many people. It's like, I don't just want to be friends with these people. I want them to know Jesus. And it's like, God, you've got to do something. Sorry about getting to, um, it's not because I'm upset. It's because I feel the Lord's moving. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. And yeah, don't jump ahead on my notes there, Joe. Okay. <laughs> Jack. But it's, it's like there's a cry, and I, and I guess, let's jump to the end. It's like, it's like, Lord, I need a new fire in me. I need a new cry. And I, I feel like I just don't have it. I feel like I'm doing stuff. But Lord, give me a cry. Give me a fire again. Give me an excitement. Give us, the church, as a, a fire together, a cry for God to come and move and do something fresh in me and my family amongst these people that I'm meeting and in the cafe and you know we're now sitting in there as Debbie was on Friday morning amongst people coming in the food club and as Nikki was there I think and there's people that we're meeting it's Lord, Lord come and bring your fire come and bring the move of God and not because I just want to have really fun times of extravagant praise and and everyone's saying, what a great meeting. It's like, when's, where's the translation into lives transformed by the Holy Spirit? And I guess that's really what I want to say. And so I'm conscious of speaking too fast and speaking too long. But we need the Holy Spirit. And um, I just wrote a few things down. You know, our salvation is applied by the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit... You know, we need the Holy Spirit to exist as Christians. 
We cannot do it. Our salvation is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. We're cleansed of sin by the Holy Spirit. We have power over sin by the Holy Spirit. We have love for God, which is enabled by the Holy Spirit. Any love for God you or I have is because of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the ways in which we can be encouraged if you wonder, do I really love God? You know, am I really a Christian? Well, do you love God? Yes. The spiritual gifts and abilities and operations of the Holy Spirit. And our prayers are heard because the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And what, what saves us as a, as a group of people from, from being some natural social gathering is the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit active and ministering today. Amen? Would you agree with that? That's, that's us in his box. That's who we are. Um, and the work of Spirit, he cleanses us. He makes us new creations. Um, <clears throat> we, we need the Holy Spirit. And so it's good for us, I think, just to look back and just take a fresh look at what we really believe about the Spirit. Because if there's one person who doesn't really know about the Holy Spirit, it's worth reiterating, isn't it? So it's good to just focus on that and really just to consider our need for a fresh outpouring, but also our obedience to him. You know, God can move, but we have to obey, we have to respond. So, but in John 3, verse 3, um, you don't have to turn to these, I'm, I'll just, but, you know, obviously do, so you know that I'm speaking this way. When God created Adam... It says, he took from the dust of the earth, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and he says, and he, he formed man out of the dust. Just keep a remember of that word, dust. He formed a man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And uh, he became a living soul, some of the old versions. And so you see this... Um, natural, this, this creation of us. We became spiritual beings in that, although not filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's a time, if we just go forward into the New Testament, Jesus gathers his disciples. This is John chapter 20, 22. He gathers them and, he, and it says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that story? And, um, and there's some, this is before he died. And there's discussion, well, did they then receive the Holy Spirit? Well, if you take the words, well, then they received something of the Holy Spirit. But it also says elsewhere that the Spirit had not been given. This is um, John chapter 7. You can, you, know, you can look at these verses another time. But it says this, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And that happens after he died, rose again and ascended. Jesus himself said... Um, it's of my, it is a, to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. But I see, I think what Jesus, this is my view, you can take this or leave it, when Jesus breathed on them, and maybe they received the, the, something of the Holy Spirit to enable them over the next few days, but, you know, as Adam was brought to life by breathing into the dust, He's showing them that by means of another breath, they're going to come alive in the Spirit. And so we see in Acts chapter 2, um, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, this is Luke 24, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's at Luke 24. There were 500 people he said that to you too. 
Does anyone know how many people were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came? 120. Can you imagine if your church shrinks and there's a third of you left? How, and you're waiting and you're doing what you're being obedient to God. It's like we should be waiting here. And 380 people have left. Maybe we should all just give up. And then the Spirit came. And it said this. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Or if you like, the breath of God. What's the, what's the Greek or the Hebrew word for breath? Pneuma is the Greek word, isn't it? What's the, uh, what's the Hebrew? It's like ruach. It's like this breath. Anyway, that's an aside. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them um, and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I've left my matches and my, my lighter at the back, darling. Do you mind getting it? Because I, I want us to just imagine this. Um, the breath of God came. So can you imagine you're sitting there and you're remembering these words of Jesus. Maybe the disciples said, he said, you know, he breathed on us and we came alive. You know, and so we're waiting for this breath, this wind, this fresh wind. And, and, and then it's like the breath literally, happened, you know, it's like this wind came in. Can you imagine through here? And then it says this flame was presented to them and rested on them. The fire of God came and rested on them. And um, the, the, in that moment came alive the, the church. You know, we need the fire of God. We do. And I, and I had this thought. It's like, it said a flame rested on every head. Now, I can't light a flame on, <laughs> but let's just pretend. See, I, I, I hope these light. What happens when you get more and more flames that are lighting next to each other? What do you get when you get a flame with a flame and a flame? That one's a stubborn Christian here, look. <laughs> yeah, the, these are the ones that are new Christians. Look, they're taller. Oh. That's why you have a backup. <laughs> Spirits run out. going what do you get when you get flame and flame and flame you get a fire yeah you get heat and yeah there's lots of things <laughs> so when when the spirit came fire came because there was a flame on Dan there was a flame on Stephanie there's a flame on Kristen there was a flame on Dan there's a flame on Daphne it wasn't because there was just one flame on Debbie there and a flame on Rose. There was a flame on everyone. I need you to be on fire. And you need me to be on fire. That's what makes a fire. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Where am I? John the Baptist comes along. 
He's an Old Testament prophet, right? Just keep that in mind, okay? John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. I know he's written in the New Testament, but he was of the age of the Old Testament prophets. He comes along and he says this in Matthew 3.11 about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when he came into that room, in that remnant that was left, where 380, two-thirds around about, if you like, of that congregation had, had, had given up. I'm not putting that as a picture to us, by the way. I'm not saying that anyone who's moved on has given up or whatever. But can you imagine where they're at? And then God came and set a fire there. And what happens? They're all out there, aren't they? They get come out and they're all preaching the gospel. Something dramatically changed. There's this fire Aim here, flame fire, and the fire of God in the church is made up of you and me together as we are brought together. There's a, there's a heat, there's an energy, there's a fire. And boy, I need your fire. You know, and you're not part of this church because you're physically present. You're part of this church because you are spiritually joined. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. That he adds it to up to the, I think it says... Um, he adds, or we are added to the body as it pleases him. So when was the last time you asked God for the fire? It's like where, you, where you're just existing. It's like, Lord, there must be more than this. There must be more than me just doing the day-to-day routine. And even if it looks good, it's like, oh, I spoke to four people about Jesus today. Oh, that's not me, but I'm just using that. It's like, Where's the Lord? Thank you. This week I spoke to one person, and Lord, I just feel the the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time we cried out for God for more fire? And so, what does this mean about this fire? John the Baptist, he will baptize you with fire. And I looked into this because you know, sometimes you just go along with things and you think, wait, let me just look into this. And I just want to offer some thoughts. Fire, it says, this is so Matthew 3, verse 11, he says, he will baptize you in fire. In verse 12, he talks about judgment. Jesus will come in judgment and he will judge the world. He talks about uh, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict. And I think we need conviction in the church because conviction is a blessing of God that leads us to repentance. I know the goodness of God leads to repentance, but when we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we act on it, don't we? I, don't, I mean, if you remember the last time you were convicted, the, the fire cleanse, the fire represents righteousness, and also we can say there's a zeal about fire. But he talks about this baptism of fire. So John was a, an Old Testament prophet, as I said, he was the last of his kind. Um, he would have spoken in similar ways to the old prophets. Um, it was said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, that he is Elijah who is to come. And so, you know, there are some that might think, oh, is he Elijah that's reincarnated? But Jesus himself said he came in the, or Luke says, I can't remember if Jesus said this, he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. So it's, Elijah's quite a good way. If we look at Elijah, maybe we can understand what's, what's this fire that John's talking about. And, um, and of course, can anyone remember something to do with Elijah and fire? Yeah, prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel. And um, yeah. so the story is in 1 Kings, 
chapter 18. Um, but just to say that the, the people of Israel were worshipping other gods. They were worshipping Baal. And then the Lord okay, we're going uh, to have a face-off. You know, you have your sacrifice, we have ours. Or I have mine, because he was on his own. You put all your sacrifice out, you call on your God to, to bring down fire, and I'll call on my God to bring down fire. And, and the Baal worshippers would dance around, they'd cut themselves, they'd cry out, and Elijah would mock them because no fire turned up. And then it was his turn. And he put the stuff on the altar, and then he poured water and water. He made it hard for God. He poured water on it. He poured water on it. And then he prays, and he says this, O Lord, this is um, verse 36 of chapter 18, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Do you know what? Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever prayed this, it's like, God... <sighs> Let it be known this day that you're God in this church. And I am your servant, and I've done everything you said to the best of my abilities, with all my failures. <laughs> answer me, O oh Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. Just bringing that back in. And licked up the water that was on, uh, in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And it's a great picture of salvation, isn't it? If you're willing to just put yourself down onto the altar before God, all of the stuff that's there that is like an obstacle, water, all the dust and dross of your life, all the sin and everything, when you put yourself on the altar, God comes and He licks it all up. Cleansing, consuming fire. Wonderful picture of salvation. You know, and maybe when you first did that, you remember those days where the Lord really set you free. And we look back, don't we? said, oh, you know, because we always look back. And I'm not saying we're suggesting that we do this, but we look back and go, where's the fire that I had? You know, like in Revelation, he says, you've lost your first love. Lord, am I loving you like I used to love you? Have I got caught up in the doing things and kind of lost the, you know, they say, don't get caught up in the, the work of God and miss the God of the work. Fire. And this, but there's this, so what's this baptism of fire? And Hebrews 12 tells us, verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. And fire needs something to consume. Those flames are burning because of the wax. Fire doesn't exist in a vacuum, literally. Am I right? I'm just checking that I'm right on that. There's no air. There's no nothing. It's got to burn something. Here's, here's the challenge, I think, for us. You know, it's this purifying, pouring out fire. You know, and Ephesians 5 tells us God has called this church, his church be pure and holy. Um, but maybe we need to put something on the altar, Maybe there's no fire in my heart because I'm not putting stuff on the altar that needs to go on the altar. Just jumping ahead there a little bit. But what does fire, what does this fire look like? Oh, it's all right for you, John, because you're quite an extrovert. You know, you're quite outgoing. You can be quite zealous. 
I don't think that's the fire. I think that can be. But what about the fire of resilience? That ability just to keep going. I'm not going to stop, Lord. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop worshipping. I'm going to get out in the freezing cold. I'm going to make it to whatever I've got you're sending me to. I'm going to be resilient. Even though the enemy comes at me, even though there's disappointments, I'm going to keep trusting God. There's a fire there that burns out. It's like this, what what you call it? It's boiler room in us. It's churning away energy. Just keep going. That's fire, isn't it? Willingness. Lord, I'll do it. In all my fear and trembling, Lord, I'll do it. I lack a bit of that fire. What about obedience? What about commitment? And of course, what about zeal? We run dry. And I don't mean zeal that you've got to be really excited about things. But it's this persistent, I'm going to do this. I've got this... I'm going to push ahead. I'm going to push ahead because there's something in me that's fueling me to do this. It's like, Lord, we need this fire in the church. There must be more than what is going on right now. And I, you know, there's this, is there a fire or something in your heart that says, Lord, I want, I want, I just want you, Lord, to be in everything. In the Thessalonians, it says that we can quench, or it said, quench not the spirit. See, that's interesting as well. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that we can, in some way, pour stuff on the fire and let it out? Because in that passage, he just mentions it. He's like, come on, Paul, give us more than that. But when I think about, you know, that sacrifice in Mount Carmel, what are the kind of things that get poured on? What's all the water that gets poured over the, over the, amen. She's okay, don't worry. What's all the water that goes on? What about things like unrepentant sin that quenches the Holy Spirit? What about unwillingness to, to be led by the Spirit? What about when we become so natural or selfish? What about worldliness, where the love of the world is more than the love of God in our hearts? quenches the Holy Spirit. So what do we do when a fire starts to die? If you've ever made a campfire and you're sitting there and you see the fire going down, what do you do? You, well, you blow on it, yeah, but I haven't put that in my notes. You put fuel on the fire, don't you? And you fan into flame. I looked at that passage, but it's about the gift. I was like, if any it said, it would have been a perfect addition. But... Maybe we need to put something on the altar. You know, as I said earlier, each one of us, when the Holy Spirit came, a flame landed on every head. And when you get a flame and a flame and a flame and a flame, you get a fire. But if you've got a flame, 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 someone's like, we need to turn the heating up. And that's where I really feel we're at. It's like, Lord... You're stirring me up in the new year. Momentum comes. I don't know. We'll see. I could, you know. But Lord, we need a fire. It's like it's the week before our Christmas service and then it all goes all silly season. But maybe over these next few weeks when we're not eating our Christmas puddings, we can be reminded. It's like, Lord, I need more than this. 
I need more than my Christmas dinner and remembering that you was born as a baby, you know, and you came to earth. I need, I need the reality of the Holy Spirit. I need it. We need it as a church. Every church needs it. Let's not just single ourselves out. But what needs to go on the altar? What's, what um, is robbing you of your worship? What's robbing you of your expression of praise in our worship times, if anything? This might not apply to you. What's been causing you to sin? What's been replacing your opportunity to serve God? What's been getting in the way that needs to go on the altar? Have you become self-conscious that you cannot praise him? Put your fear, your pride, self on the altar. Have you become too busy for God? Maybe you need to put your social life on the altar or your TV on the altar. Or whatever it is, it's that it's, we're too busy because I'm not saying we don't have social lives. You understand what I'm saying? To put it on the altar, say, Lord, it's down to you. It's no longer my decision. It's down to you. I'm putting that there. You, send your fire. Spending too, become too tired to spend time with him. And I know sometimes we don't sleep well. I woke up in the night. But what about those late nights of TV when you're up till 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, binge-watching your latest program? It's like, oh, John, I couldn't get up in the morning. I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Have you put yourself on the altar? You know, the Bible teaches us that we have no right to ourselves. You know, we've been bought at a price, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, we are no longer our own. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me, says in Matthew 16. You've got to give up your own way. That's New Living Translation. You've got, to, you've got to give up yourself to God. Not my own. And we be filled, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you said, Lord, will you just fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit? You know, it says in, in um, Ephesians 5 verse 18, it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And the be filled is, be being filled continually. Lord, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? I'm feeling dry, I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling weary with etc., etc., or I've got to go into this situation where you fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, the, the whole illustration, you know, where you have the cup and someone comes along and they notch you and they upset you and you spill your water. Lord, just fill me, fill me, fill me. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to move in the church. And so do we need a, a bit of excitement? Well, that would be nice. I'm going to finish on this. But that's not necessarily going to last unless it's born the Spirit of God. Amen? I'm not here to like go, yeah, come on, everyone, let's be really excited. You know? Go, come on, Alan. And then Alan jumps up and says, yeah, John. <laughs> no, that's not what we need. We need the Spirit to come. What about praying together? You know, that would be amazing if, we, if we're all, you know, I trust that you're involved in some uh, prayer group you know or we we meet up in, in these various situations whether it's the ladies or in the on the Thursday mornings or our monthly evenings of prayer or whatever it is 
be amazed, wouldn't it, if everyone would just turned up, but, but only if really in our hearts, yeah, I'm there because I'm going to persevere in prayer. I want to come and see the Spirit come, rather than just turning up because John said turn up. What about extravagant praise would be really encouraging if people are just lost and, you know, the, the music's finished and everyone's just lifting up their voices. Wouldn't it be great and amazing, but only if our hearts are really devoted to God. In other words, it's not about creating an environment. It's about seeing God come and the environment is the byproduct. We can have a fantastic environment and no one's getting saved. No one's getting healed and no one's being met by God and changed. What we need, I think, is the fire to come. But we need God to come and set a light on, on you, Betty, isn't it? Esme, on me. And it must be more than this. Consuming fire. Can't remember the rest of the words. Fan into flame. Let's, shall we pray? I'm gonna, I've asked if the worship team can come and um, continue, and we're going to take communion a bit later. But I, as, as a means of response, I just really want, I want to encourage us, let's be honest before the Lord and say, you know, do, do you feel like you've lost the fire? Do you feel like we need more than this in your life? Do you feel like this, like, God, you know, I'm tired of reading the Bible and reading stuff. And it says, greater things will you do because I go to my Father. That's a reference to the Holy Spirit. So Lord, well, come, Lord. Do something, Lord. And start with me. You know, I'm not being disrespectful to the Lord. I'm, I think this is the kind of cry that he needs, isn't it? Come, Lord. Can't do it anymore. I need you. We need him can't fabricate this, can't emotionally manipulate this. I just need you, Lord. And isn't it amazing we can do that together? <laughs> so I'm going to pray and, and uh, the guys come and get ready. If you want to stand um, and while I pray. Father, we're just, just so grateful, Lord, that you poured out your Holy Spirit because you know our utter need of him in our lives. And Lord, we need you in these days. Father, I just thank you for this stirring in my heart because I know that it's born of the Holy Spirit, not of me. Lord, because we need you, Holy Spirit, to come and stir our hearts, to cause us to cry out to you and say, we want more of you, not as some selfish, consumer-driven spirituality, but because of a deep need in our hearts to be in the reality of what you've, what you've died for, for a people that are free and liberated from sin, Lord, that are people that know their God, that people who are, are contagious, Lord, for the sake of the gospel, Lord, that many others might know you, Lord, because you died for them. And Lord, as we stand here this morning, will you um, do a personal work, Lord, individually, but also, Lord, will you do a corporate work in us as a church family? Lord, that we might see you do great and mighty things. And even though maybe over these few weeks, with Christmas things and nativity and carols and 
um, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Lord, it, I'm not looking for evidence, Lord, in the next week. But Lord, I'm believing that we're going to see you do great and mighty things, Lord, in these weeks and months to come. Lord, we're going to find hearts that want more of you. So Lord, do come now. In this time of worship, come as we break bread. Come and eat us, Lord. Come whether it's with conviction, whether it's with encouragement, whether it's with healing. Lord, whether it's just with a stirring, with a fresh or extravagant, whatever it may be, Lord, you know. Lord, I just pray for each one here who wants to respond to you. Lord, you, your word says that, that if we ask of the Holy Spirit, you will not say no. Lord, because you're our Father. So we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.